Actually, Dan has left the video as well, so we're starting with just me. Welcome to the Take the Points College Football Podcast, the only college football podcast with 105 years of football watching experience. Uh, Only about 35 of those years are actually on the camera right now. I'm Tom. I'm here with uh, Ryan and Dan whenever they return. And Ryan is off getting something extremely important. Um, But before we do that, Dan is back and live from Phoenix, Arizona. Here is Dan Partridge. He's going to give a recap of last week of college football. Dan, take it away. Thanks, Tom. College football is back. We had a little intro with some mediocre games the first week or two, but last week it's now underway. Oklahoma at home up 28 to seven, trying to avenge a loss to Kansas state last year. Looks like they're on their way to a big time blowout or they can just lose 38, 35 LSU has the national championship party. Everyone gets to come back and say, Hey, that was a great time. That was an amazing team. But Mike Leach showed up with his transfer KJ Costello. KJ threw for over 600 yards and they beat LSU by 10 points and put 44 on them. And it's just like the most remarkable thing I've seen in college football in a long time, to be honest with you. And um, yeah. And actually more importantly than that, the Pittsburgh Panthers once again, march on with a victory and go to three and zero. they move past the powerhouse Alabama. I mean, Louisville, you know, very similar and you know, they're, they're on their way to being in the playoffs. So have to be happy for Kansas State and uh, Mississippi State and Pitt. Yeah, the uh, Auburn, Clemson, Pitt, BYU playoff is going to be a, a pretty good one, I think. I want to add to that Mississippi State LSU game because it's easy to see that score. Even if you watch the game but didn't pay super close attention, it would be easy to think, um, oh, LSU lost a million players and two coaches and so they're just not that good or they're mediocre now. And that might've been true in the first half. And Miles Brennan didn't play uh, particularly well early on, but by the third and fourth quarter, that LSU team was playing pretty well. And Brennan looked pretty good by the fourth quarter. Um, They came back for a minute there. They were pretty close and you thought they might tie it up or take the lead. Um, But Mississippi State played extremely well. You know, that wasn't an LSU letdown. It was a Mississippi State... um, big time win. And we all know about Mike Leach and the air raid and Costello setting the sec record all time passing yards. But what impressed me the most is their D line dominated the LSU offensive line and just um, rushed Brennan and got a bunch of sacks, a bunch of hurries. This team looks really legit. And I think um, as of now, you could make a really strong argument for Mississippi state being a top five team along with, of course, the Miami hurricanes, the other playoff team. Of course, until they lose to Pitt, that is. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you're back. Thank you. Their house is in the ACC. The, the Sorry, ACC looking like the best uh, conference right now. Powerhouse Clemson, powerhouse Miami, powerhouse Pitt. Virginia Tech wins a game with like 72 guys out with COVID. So pretty good. Uh, Ryan, any, any um, takeaways from last week? Uh, yeah. Enrollment at the Air Raid Academy is at an all-time high right now. So people, take your stimulus checks and enroll in the Air Raid Academy 
if you want to be the future of the SEC. Mm-hmm. How mummy. All right. Uh, there's not much else to talk about, even though it was a great week. Um, you know, Alabama um, was in control, even though the score, they, you know, they failed to cover the spread. They look pretty good. We're going to get into all these teams in a little bit when we talk about the lines for week four or five or whatever it is. But first, uh, Dan is going to introduce a segment that is very special this week, which will then um, pass off to Ryan to really handle the bulk of it. Thank you, Tom. So over the past, I don't know, 10 to 15 years, Ryan and I really like European football, a.k.a. soccer. It's a fantastic sport for a bunch of different reasons. One of our favorite reasons why we like soccer is how teams can move from league to another. Are you aware of how this happens, see? Are you referring to relegation? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm very familiar with relegation. I've been arguing for uh, relegation for the Big Ten for quite some time. Goodbye, Rutgers. Okay. Thank you, Tom. So for those people who have not heard of it, the um, example is England, right? The first league is called the English Premier League. That has, I believe, 22 or 23 teams. And... It's the teams you know, Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool. Every year, if you finish um, at the end of the year, you have the first, second, or third worst records. You will move from the first division down to the second division. There are four leagues in English soccer, and... You can move up if you finish in the top three and one or down if you finish in the lower three, which is brilliant. A perfect example of this is Leeds. So, well, they were in the 1970s. They were powerhouse, but they had some troubles. Now they've moved all the way back two leagues and went back to the third league. Imagine that. But now they've moved all the way into the English Premier League again for this year. So everyone's excited for them to have a chance to play all the really good teams. But Imagine if you're a team like, say, Florida State, <laughs> who is in the ACC but has fallen on hard times. If you finish as the worst team in that league or something equivalent, then maybe you should be moved to the American Conference for one year. And if Florida State wins that, then maybe they should get moved back up. So this is the idea. And, Tom, you're exactly right. Rutgers, you should not get a spot in the Big Ten you know, Vanderbilt, you shouldn't have a spot in the SEC. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of other examples like that. But Ryan um, kind of took this idea and ran with it and mapped literally every college football Division One team in the whole country and how this could all work. And uh, sorry for the long intro, but take it away, Ryan. All right. Thank you, Dan. Uh, yeah. So that's basically the concept here is that we're going to, uh, break this up like premier league, uh, style, but we need to make it even more drastic. And the way that you can make it a little bit easier on the math people is to take away the five conferences and let's move this down to four. So you got four conferences, North, South, East, and West. Each of these conferences is going to have 16 teams each divided into two eight-team divisions. 
So that gives you 64 teams, which makes sense. You bracket people, March Madness, you get that number. That makes total sense. And then we take all the lower conferences teams and we map those out and we actually end up with 64. Um, Nope, I lied. Sorry. We get 66 in the top division, 64 in the lower division for 130 total uh, FBS teams currently. And so what I did is I actually broke this all down by region to make the travel easier to keep uh, as many rivalries as we can and to also expand into new rivalries. And it works out pretty darn well. Uh, It's pretty awesome. There's some things that need to get moved around. Some teams had to get uh, moved to some areas. Maybe they're not too happy. But guess what? Play better, and maybe you get a better better seeding. But, yeah, so, for example, let's, let's go out west to where Dan and I live. So it's near and dear to our heart, Tom. I'll give you an example here. What do you think? All right. So I love it. West top division. On one side, we have Washington, Washington State, Oregon, Oregon State, Colorado, Utah, Missouri, and Nebraska. That's one division. The other side is Arizona, Arizona State, USC, UCLA, Cal, Stanford, Kansas, and Kansas State. Okay. Now here's where it's so here's where it's fun. Okay. So in the lower division of the West, matched up with the Washington, Washington State, Oregon, so the the Pacific Northwest is part of the bracket. You have the lower division, and that lower division consists of Boise State, Air Force, Colorado State, Wyoming, Utah State, BYU, Arkansas State, Tulsa. So that's super competitive because right away you look at that and you're like, well, Boise State and BYU probably are better than Missouri and Nebraska. Right. They'll, so be, if, they'll be up in one year. Right. No, that's the thing. Only one team gets to go up and one team goes down. That's it. So if you're Boise State and BYU and you're playing each other, that's the biggest game ever because the winner – has the track to go up. The loser has to turn around and do it again the next year and and to try to get up. And that's the cool thing is if they both get up in two consecutive years, now we got Nebraska, for example, playing against like Wyoming and Colorado State and Air Force trying to earn their keep and get back up, right? And then on the other side with the – the Arizona and California schools, as well as Kansas, Kansas state, we have Fresno state, San Diego state, San Jose state, Hawaii, New Mexico, New Mexico state, Nevada, UNLV. So as we look there, there's not really the powerhouse, like a Boise or BYU, like an obvious team to come up. So that makes it really interesting because Kansas is atrocious so Kansas is going to go down. So who's going to come up? And that's really interesting because if you come up, you're probably going to get to stay up for a little bit because Kansas is awful and they're not coming back up. So to be clear, um, one team goes up and one team goes down from each of these two each, Western divisions. 
Correct. But this is still so, all considered one Western conference. Correct. So it is two from the West go down and two go up, but it's one from each side. Gotcha. So it makes the math easier too, you know, as far as games. So you'll play, you'll play seven games in your con- in your division against those other seven teams. Then your other three, you play three other games against the team that finished in your place in the other regions. So we get like-like matchups for comparisons, right? So if you finished first in the West, you'll play the first team in the North, the first in the South, and the first in the East, right? So, um, and then you'll obviously play the first team in your division as well on the other side. So that right there gets you to 11 games, and then each team is allowed a 12th game, which is against one of their regional lower division teams. So the and best there's your 12 team, games. The, the best team, say your USC, has to then play the best team from each other quadrant let's, of the country. Let's say like, they like have to play Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson. Ohio State. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this, this makes for... So, you're not getting this the usual playoff unbelievable regular season and whoever makes it to the playoffs, it's going to be crazy. Cause you can lose, right? You can lose. If you're Clemson, you can lose to Alabama in the regular season, but as long as you win the East, you can get back into the playoff, right? Because we have four divisions, four teams make the playoff. If we want, we can even say eight teams make the playoff, the top team from each of the eight divisions. And so then is there a title game from say the West North and the West South? That is what we have not, I have not decided. I was kind of think asking you guys, like, is, are we going to go with the eight do no title game? And because if you do eight, which is what everyone wants, no one wants a four team playoff. We all want eight anyways. So let's just make it eight and say, it's the top team from all eight divisions. So you have to be, so, so the relegated teams are not in playoff contention from the get go. No, you have to get up. Okay. So you're, you play to get up and then when, once you're up, then you have a shot at the playoffs. So Boise State, for example, would not, yeah, that, that's just clarifying something that pretty much always already exists. I guess my only, um, point of contention would be what happens when there's an Alabama LSU, for example, that are clearly the number one and two best teams in the country. Are we just considering, you know, the regular season is the playoff or do they, do we need a wild card? You could do a 12 team playoff where it's the eight winners plus four at large and the, and there's a four game or there's a, there's a play off kind of like the NFL where the top four are off the first week, the top four seeds, but the other eight play, and now we get the final eight. So add one more week down to that final 12. You get the eight up top plus top four at large. Beautiful. All right. right I, if I we're like not going to do idea. conference title. Yeah. If we're not doing conference title games, we can add an extra week into the playoff. It's just, no problem. it's the same thing. Yep. All right. Yeah. It's I, I kind of like that idea. I just want to add one thing before we move on to the other parts of the country. But I, what I really like about this is I, idea is, you know, we were joking about Rutgers being relegated but I like the idea of kind of having the partner league. So just to use the examples that exist today, like the big 10 and the Mac would be partner leagues. And so the big 10 teams would sort of be relegated to the Mac and the Mac yep. teams would move up. 
And they're, they kind of already have that partnership. You know, the big 10, every team pretty much plays a couple of Mac teams every season. So I like keeping those regional like power five or power four versus lower level um, games going as well. So I I like what you've done here. So where else, where do we go from here? Let's just stay with what you're talking about, Tom. I'll give you that perfect example. So here's a, here's a quick trivia question for you here, Tom. How many non-Power 5 FCS teams are in the state of Ohio? Non-Power 5. So not counting Ohio State. So basically not counting Ohio State, how many other college football teams are in Ohio? Well, I mean, I could I could try to count them, but it's got to be a lot. I mean, there's got to be, I would say, 8 to 10 would be my guess. There's 7. It's super high. Yeah, because you—I mean, so, you've got you've got your Cincy's, but you've also got your like Youngstown states and Akron's. Youngstown does not count; they're FCS. Oh, okay. Well, that would have been. Yeah, that's how I got to eight. Then maybe there it is. That's exactly how you got to eight. Um, so yeah, so let's go to the north. So no, as uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, there's 66 uh, Power Five teams versus uh, 64. So the north actually ends up with being the only one that has nine teams uh, in each division in the top half. But as you can see, the ninth team in each are barely teams. There, I, I so, can think of some teams that probably don't really qualify. So here we go in the reconfigured North. Uh, so let's call this the, uh, the West side of the North bracket. We have Michigan, Michigan state, Illinois, Northwestern, Indiana, Purdue, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Syracuse. That's great. On the other side, you get Ohio State, Penn State, Penn, <clears throat> Maryland, BC, Minnesota, Iowa, Iowa State, and then Rutgers. Okay. Okay. Should I? I'll, I'll wait till the end to weigh in as the Big Ten expert on the show. Gotcha. All right, Thank and you. then so in the. Michigan, Michigan State bracket, the coinciding lower division teams are Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, Ball State, UMass, UConn, and Temple. Okay. And on the Ohio State, Penn State side, we get the seven Ohio teams, Bowling Green, Cincinnati, Kent State, Ohio University, Miami of Ohio, Toledo, Akron, and Army. So there we go. Big Ten expert, Xeonon, weigh in. Tell me, <laughs> what have I screwed up of your beloved Big Ten? Not loving the nickname, but I will proceed. Um, all right. The, the one that jumps out in the, in the main league is um, Syracuse being in the West. Um, when they have sort of a natural rivalries with teams like Penn state, you know, that um, we could swap Minnesota and Syracuse very easily. Right. And so that was going to um, be exactly what I um, suggested. Um, Minnesota has their natural rivalry with Wisconsin. And then of course the newer rivalries with those uh, big 10 West teams. So um, I think that would be the swap that I did. And then if there's a way to get UConn UMass on that uh, Eastern side of the the lower league so they can get whipped by the, uh, you know, Syracuse's and Penn States. And so, um, you know, they can play Rutgers and feel competitive against them. I think that would be a good one too. 
I don't know. I, you know, I know it's difficult with seven Ohio teams. You don't want to break up the state, but um, there must be two teams we can swap. But, you know, of course I love the general premise of this. Yeah. I mean, we could take like, uh, well, I mean, here's the thing, the way we have it now, it's like each, each lower division kind of has one standout team that like, to me looks clearly like the best team, Cincinnati on the one side, maybe army, maybe army. Uh, and then on the other side, temple temple clearly is, is the best team of that. But every few years, you know, central Michigan or somebody puts together a recruiting class that stays together. And it's like once every five years, they're great. They're nine and three, you know, or Northern Illinois, every five years, they're like 10 and two. Um, and that's awesome because then they're like, now recruiting is like strategic for coaches. They have to think about like, look at their schedule in upcoming years and be like, okay, we need to make sure we have like a legit veteran quarterback by 2026, because that's the easiest our schedule is going to look. We can make the jump up. And once we make the jump up, recruiting gets even easier. So like it makes it strategic all around, not just on the coaching side, but like the, the recruiting part of it's really cool too. And again, it's now it's saving a ton of money because it's, the travel is, is even lower. It's smaller. It's regional. You know, you're going to get better crowds because there's more at stake. There's more rivalry, you know? So I don't know. We'll see. What do you guys think? Let's go over to the East. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these now ones are talking be, my language. These ones are going to okay. be very, very good. And, and so the I like the deep East. old rivalries is what makes this. Okay. So the East is very East coast and here we go. The top division, we have Virginia, Virginia tech, Navy, Georgia, Georgia tech, Tennessee, Vandy, West Virginia. Okay. On the other side, we have Clemson, South Carolina, UNC, Duke, NC state, Wake Forest, Kentucky, Louisville. All right. Okay. Uh, now here's where things got to get a little bit wonky. We had to make some moves on the East lower division. We get the three Florida schools, FIU, FAU, USF, uh, UCF, sorry, four plus Georgia Southern, Georgia state, Memphis and middle Tennessee state. That is so good. That's so competitive with UCF and Memphis, you know, FAU, Middle Tennessee is pretty good. Like that's really competitive. Who's going to go up um, and then stay up. And then the other side is Coastal Carolina, App State, Charlotte, East Carolina, Western Kentucky, Old Dominion, Marshall, and Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Buffalo. Uh, so what do you think? I know there's again, some opportunity to make a couple of swaps here and there, but I kind of like this. Uh, yeah. So my thinking on that is, um, I like how you've mixed a couple of the sec teams into the, um, predominantly ACC, uh, region of the country. I think, um, Tennessee, it, it definitely benefits teams like Tennessee and South Carolina and especially South Carolina being now in the division with Clemson, I think makes natural sense. 
Um, and I think, you know, just if you're a Tennessee fan, like you have a better chance playing in this league than you did before. So that's nice. You're going to have some U- UCF fans who are a little mad at you, I think. Well, here's the thing. Especially, especially UCF, when you're Navy in there, I've got right, to say. You can put UCF up and Navy down, and I have no problem with that. I, I had that at first and then changed it. I mean, historically, I feel like Navy is the one who merits it, you know, program-wise. But um, if you're just going by the last five years, there's no question UCF belongs above uh, many of the teams that you named. I totally agree. The only reason I didn't do that, though, is because UCF should be with all the other Florida schools, and there just wasn't a way to, to make that work with the math of the regions. So as you'll see, once we get to the... I'm sure you can guess all the teams that we haven't named yet, but it's going to get crazy. Right. Uh, and really I mean, obviously crazy. you, I mean, UCF's your favorite to, to make the jump um, in that first year. So they'd be right up there after a year. Yeah, a they, minor they would setback. probably replace Navy in the first year anyways. And that's fine. Um, all right. Now to the, to the main event, to the South. And this is where it gets wild. Okay, Tom, hold on, because here, I don't know how we're going to justify. This is where Dan had to come in and, and get the four extra teams to 12, because here we go. South Division, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Florida, Florida State, Miami. Love that. We got the whole Gulf region just in. It's pretty Amazing. good. The panhandle's loaded. On the other side now, Tom, we get Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Yeah. I mean, this is is a good conference. I mean, this, what you just named is the justification for why you must have wild cards somehow involved in the playoff. Exactly. Uh, and then let's just finish this off and give you the quick lower divisions. Uh, corresponding with the Bama, Auburn, LSU, we have South Alabama, UAB, Troy, Louisiana, ULM, La Tech, Tulane, and Southern Miss. And the final eight teams with the Texas side is North Texas, Rice, Texas State, UTEP, UTSA, SMU, Houston, and Liberty. Yes. Yeah. Freeze. I didn't want to even give them a spot in this thing, but I needed to be 130, so it's an even number. I let them slide. But oh, Liberty, Liberty is, definitely belongs right there. That's perfect placement. They, it's them with and they're they're basically Texas. Even though they're in Virginia, their beliefs are very Texas. That's what I'm saying. Although geographically they don't seem to fit, spiritually they fit. In more ways Correct. than one. Exactly. So it's only like two or three years before they close down that school altogether. And then we can make some things work. But uh, so, all right, Tom, what do you think overall impressions? Are we, are we close? Are we on to something? I'll give my uh, two minute impressions on uh, the whole thing you just laid out, which is obviously like not enough time to thoroughly go through every, uh, you know, ounce of brilliance. But uh, overall, I love this. I think it's awesome. I appreciate the effort you put into it. I also appreciate all of the, like, it really is a good mix of um, 
some of those like old school rivalries like Nebraska, Colorado that have been lost in the new like BCS and playoff era while still keeping like what's good about the new realignment, um, you know, the PAC 12 North and South where you kind of have it regional, but then you have cross divisions. And um, I feel like the teams, you know, aside from the few I mentioned that could probably be changed, I feel like overall 98% of them are right where they belong. Um, I love the idea of the relegation. Uh, you know, there are a few teams in the, the main or what are we calling this? The main division or the, you know, the main league oh, upper division, lower division for now. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are a few teams in the upper league or the upper division that belong in the lower division and vice versa. But, um, you know, fans of theirs would not be happy like UCF, for example, or Boise and BYU would obviously want to be in the higher division, but you know, one year setback and basically they can play their way in. So I feel like in the long term, um, it's no big thing. Um, I can't think of any power five teams fans that I think would be against this. Like, I don't know why you'd be against this, you know, whether you're a, a Penn state, Ohio state fan, Florida, Alabama, Oklahoma. The only downside is of course, that it makes it a lot harder for certain teams to make um, the playoffs. Like we, we see Miami, sitting in, you know, maybe top five in this next poll in your realignment, they're totally screwed because they're in a division with Alabama, LSU, Auburn, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you just need a wild card spot in there and, you know, a 12 team playoff might work as laid out, or you just do four and four wild cards. So you do like the West just gets one team, you know, the East, the South get one team. And then the wild, the next four teams in the 18 playoff are the next best four, right? So it could be theoretically Alabama could win the South, but LSU, Auburn, and Miami could all make the playoff as wild cards so that it, it takes away the like regional restriction. So there are little details like that, that I would want to think about, but overall, I think this is an awesome idea. You know, if people aren't satisfied with the four team playoff, which it seems like people are still pushing for a little bit more why don't we just blow the whole thing up and do something like this? So, all right. We've spent a long time on that and it was worth every second, but lines. we have something important we got to do fellas. Let's do some lines. All right. I'm going to lead this one. Uh, usually this is Dan's department, but I got the big computer in front of me. Dan's on his phone. So I'm going to name some lines and then I'm going to kick it over to you too. I've got a few thoughts and I'll weigh in where uh, necessary, but you guys, I think got this mostly. So let's start with a surprisingly big game on Friday, October 2nd, Louisiana Tech at BYU, two teams that have surprised this season, uh, both 2-0, and uh, both looking good, especially BYU. The line is BYU minus 23 and a half and the over-under is 56. Uh, Dan, let's start with you. That's a lot of points to lay. Um, I know BYU's look great, but I'll take Louisiana Tech and over three touchdowns and hope for a close one. Ryan, Simple. anything you want to add to that? Uh, I'll just say that is a lot of points, but that's also uh, a lot of miles for Louisiana Tech's team to go to Provo. So I'm going to go ahead and say Friday night in Provo if none of you have ever been to Provo on a Friday night, I have. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and, and I'm actually going to take BYU. 
I think they're. I think they might beat them by forty. This one's really tough for me. It's a brutal place to play. Yeah, you you got to factor that in. I think if it was a neutral field, I would love this kind of line with Louisiana Tech, but I'm just not sure. I I have no idea. But uh, the bet I do like is the over at 56. Um, I've been taking a lot of unders this year, but I feel like this one's adjusted <laughs> down to a spot the way BYU's been scoring and Louisiana Tech can you know move the ball a little bit. So uh, I think that's going to get into the 60s. So I'm going to take that. I was going to say, just, just keep in mind, like to go from li- literally sea level, La Tech, to BYU, which is like over 4,000 feet above sea level. So it's, it's really a really tough, difficult thing to do. Well, my feeling with that game is it's going to be a blowout or it's going to be very close. Um, and so I picture a I picture BYU. You no, know, I like your own I, I like, because of that. Okay. Yeah. I, I like BYU getting, you know, at least 40 on their own. I think there's a chance Louisiana tech could also get in the thirties or keep it close or it could be 48 to three and I lose, but you know, you gave it a good run either way. Um, all right. Oh, two sec powerhouses, Missouri, who easily covered the spread against Alabama. They go to 20th ranked Tennessee, who also is coming off a big win uh, or not also because Missouri lost, but you know what I'm saying? Tennessee one and Oh, shouldn't be something to be proud of, but I can tell you Tennessee fans after uh, how the last few seasons have gone are probably pretty happy with that game. So it's Tennessee uh, minus 11 and a half over under 48 and a half. What do you think? I am not laying. I can't trust Tennessee Tennessee anyone until they prove it. All right, so you got you guys weren't sure who was going to come Impossible. in first, and you came in at the same time, saying the exact same thing. So uh, let me pick it up from there. Um, I, I think yeah. both of these teams demonstrated they can score; they just can't, um, you know, control a game. So I think a forty-eight and a half point over under. I think that it's reasonable that that could result in an over. Uh, that would be the way I did a slight lean, and then. Um, I mean, I thought Missouri was okay against Alabama. They didn't get the doors blown off like most teams did. And we know we know what Tennessee is. So I'd actually take Missouri in this spot, especially the line keeps creeping up. It opened at 10. So this, yep. this could be 12 or 13 by game time. All right, this one's all you guys. Baylor at West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia getting three and the over under 53 and a half. Oof, this is a tough one. Uh, this is for me Charlie a total stay away. Um, somehow the quarterback for our beloved squad out of Waco is still Charlie Brewer. I feel like he's Correct. been there 9, 10 to 15 years at this point. So um, Somehow they've I'll had um, in the 10 years since year old leadership. Yeah, I, I was going to say in the 10 years since Robert no, no, Griffin, the third. Say, uh, they've somehow had like seven quarterbacks and they've, they've all played four years. So it doesn't really make sense. There you go. Go Baylor. All right. I'm not weighing in on any of these uh, big 12 games. All right. TCU at Texas, our horns. They're a 13 point favorite after a thrilling comeback. We didn't even mention, mention that one, but uh, what a game against Texas tech. Uh, 61 point over under Dan, you take this one. Hook them. 
Longhorns love playing high-scoring shootouts. They have a little bit of turmoil, I think, right now on the defensive side of the ball. TCU actually scored some points last week, and their quarterback, um, I think, is like a fifth-year senior. So I'm just going to lean the over again until further notice in Texas games. I think TCU gets in the 20s or 30s, Texas in the 40s or 50s, and you're looking at an over. Ryan, anything to add? Yep. Totally agree. The big 12 overs are back until further notice. It seems like Vegas has adjusted the lines uh, down just enough where they're uh, compelling once again. All right. The battle of uh, the must champ bowl, South Carolina at Florida, Florida coming off uh, one of the more impressive games, you know, besides Mississippi state and maybe a couple others. Uh, Very impressive. Me and Ryan's uh, sec East winner pick is looking strong to quite strong. They are an 18 and a half point favorite as we record this in a 59 point over under uh, against the Gamecocks. So uh, Ryan, why don't you lead this one off? All right. Uh, I'll make this nice, easy bet this early in the week. Cause I guarantee this line's not going down. This will be three touchdowns by kickoff. <laughs> and if you like Florida, get it in now. I like the under in this game. I feel like you're going to find out that Ole Miss has zero defense whatsoever, which we've seen over the past couple of years. So I think Florida's offensive numbers are inflated a little bit. I also think that South Carolina played against a Tennessee squad with a overrated defense. So now they're going to play Florida. Therefore, lower expectations for both teams. Old school, much champ, Florida, Mullins, Swamp, under. This could be the rare uh, under large point spread laying hook, even though 18 and a half isn't uh, incredible. I mean, you do have a pretty good window, but yeah, I kind of like an under and a Florida hook here, but uh, my favorite is definitely Florida minus 18 and a half. And I agree a hundred percent with Ryan get it. in now you've it's already gone up a point and we're recording on a Monday night. So when you see that kind of movement this early, you know, what's happening. Florida is, um, Loaded might be too strong a word, but they got a lot of talent at a lot of positions and um, Trask is playing great. You know, if not for Costello, I think everybody would be talking about Trask's performance this week. So he had a great game. Pitts is awesome. They got some good receivers, Mm -hmm. running game. Defense looks strong. I like them. I'm standing by my pick, Florida to win the SEC East. All right, skip that. Oh, NC State at number 25, Pitt Panthers. Pitt, Dan, Dan, you're a Pittsburgh native. Pitt is a 14-point mm. favorite. Is this the high point for Pitt Panthers football since the 70s? <clears throat> this is the high point since Larry Fitzgerald caught the um, consecutive games with the touchdown streak for sure. Until further notice, you have to lay it with Pitt. They are on fire. They're 3-0 against the spread. They look like a well-oiled machine they can take on Alabama. Lay it with the Panthers. Ryan, you want to weigh in, or is Pitt going to be the new UConn where you want nothing to do with them? Oh, no. I want a lot to do with this. We need to make sure we talk up the Pitt Panthers a lot in your house. So this is, this is by osmosis through the walls. It's just seeping into TCZ. 
He's asleep. He's asleep now. Him. He's in the crib, but you oh, know, it's it'll, in. and we're in the basement. So you got to, it's got to seep two levels up. You got to really lay it on thick. It's going through the pipes. It is. It's, it's going through the pipes and it's, and it's a nice, <laughs> nice odor. It's a pleasant scent, Tom. What is the scent? The what is the, what is the scent of pit, pit Panthers? Football? The scent is Pit Panthers Victory. winning another game and covering another spread. And this one is not going to be close. Four no. Smells Pit. like, it smells like over hook it. Smells like a, a French fries on a, sa- on a sandwich and Beano. Oh yeah. It yeah. smells Bino like Cook when you walk into Permantis and it hits you in the face. <laughs> All right. I guess you got to go pit North Carolina state's an interesting team this year because they scored a lot of points and they beat wake, you know, in a close game. And then as I mentioned, uh, toward the top, Virginia tech was missing. I think 23 players is the actual number. And it just was complete and utter domination. So is NC state really bad and wake is really, really bad. I mean, that's probably the case. Um, but we probably need another week or two to really assess NC State. Uh, that being said, I guess I'm a pit household now until October 23rd. So uh, go Panthers. Texas Tech at Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State might be good. Um, no, they lost to Arkansas State last week. So let's hold off on that. Um this game, I'll take an over. The Big 12 overs are back. Um, Kansas State moved the ball last week. They gave up 35 to Arkansas State, 38 to Oklahoma. Texas Tech gave up 35 to Houston Baptist and 500 yards, gave up 5,000 points to Texas. So until further notice, it's September or whatever, October, over. Ryan, yeah, you- bet, the, bet the over. And this is a huge spot. Like Kansas State let down after the big win, but they get to come back home. I don't know if there's fans or not. Who knows? Texas Tech rebound after the the heartbreaking loss. They might have a – this is like double letdown game. Uh, And so this is either going to be crazy sloppy, like 17-13, or like Dan said, which is more likely like 60-53. to to Yeah. All right, I'm going to I'm going to pair a couple of these together for nope. you Ryan. You see if you like it. We got uh the number 24 Memphis Tigers uh are laying two and a half on the road at Southern Methodist and uh USF goes to visit number 15 Cincinnati, Cincinnati laying three touchdowns. So, are uh, either of these teams for real? I mean Memphis lost Norvell, since he looks pretty good. Uh do you have any thoughts on either of these teams? Memphis has become a well-oiled machine. Doesn't matter. They lost Fuente before that. They got Norvell. Doesn't matter. He left. Like they just keep reloading. They have so much speed. And like that's just it doesn't matter who the coach is because it's the best cliche ever. You can't coach speed. Right? Like you just can't. And so Memphis has speed on speed on speed. Uh, I really like them. I think they're for real. Uh, Cincinnati. That's just a lot of points, but it is Chaz Strong going up north. Uh, so in that case, I would go ahead and take Cincinnati and be 
maybe buy that down. Uh, you know, if you can get that at like maybe 20 and a half or 21, even that would be worth it. I'm showing 21 and a half on Bovada. Uh, so maybe buy that. If you can get it at 21 and buy the half point, 20 and a half seems like a better number to me. So I'm on, I'm on covers.com and it opened at 21 and a half and they're showing at 21 even now. So maybe wait a few days on that one and see if you can get it down even lower. All right, wait this, or, just, or just buy the half point and get it to get it to 20 and a half and just get it done. We'll get back to uh, the big sec game, but uh, your Oklahoma state Cowboys looked a lot better last week. Now they are uh, laying 21 on the road against Kansas. This is your uh, section of the country, but is it me or is this a very, very easy bet to make? No, this is not easy. Uh, Spencer Sanders was still out last week for Oklahoma State. The quarterback that played only threw for like 130 yards. Kansas plays one close game a year. This might be it. I wouldn't lay the 21 with Oklahoma State, and I'm probably wrong, but uh, I'm going to stay away. All right, uh, let's move along then. Uh, Lane Kiffin, off of a tough defeat, goes uh, at Kentucky. Kentucky minus six and a half. This is a hard game. Um, Both teams coming off uh, losses last week. Kentucky played well for a while. They just couldn't move the ball. They'll be able to move the ball on Ole Miss. Uh, I'm going to lean Kentucky. I think Ole Miss is really bad, and – Kentucky was on the road at Auburn. That's a tough spot. Ole Miss was at home. I know they're playing Florida, but uh, yeah, I'll bet a little bit on Kentucky this week. Uh, Dan is correct. It's super hard to pick that game. So I'm going to actually take the over because like he said, Ole Miss's defense is terrible. Kentucky had a little bit of trouble moving the ball, but this is a, a nice little medicine for that. It'll fix what ails you is playing Ole Miss's D. Uh, so I think this is a good opportunity, only 61 and a half. Um, so I think you have an opportunity here to, to get in a little bit of an over possibly. All right. Uh, I will say, uh, number 23, Virginia tech at Duke. It's a 10 and a half point line. This one seems, uh, fairly easy on paper, but you always got to watch out for Cutcliffe and Duke at home. Um, but I might lean Virginia Tech. Just the way they played, I thought was really impressive and missing all those guys. Presumably, they'll have several of them back. So uh, Virginia Tech's looking pretty good this year, I think. Uh, And of course, as you mentioned, they've got a former Memphis coach. So that tree keeps growing. Let's uh, let's skip ahead a little bit and talk about some uh, SEC games. So I'll do these two together and you can take them. We got Arkansas at Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State minus 18 after the impressive win last week. And uh, then Louisiana State, uh, I don't know why they label them Louisiana State. LSU, the team you know, LSU, uh, they're a 20 and a half point favorite on the road at the awful Vanderbilt. So, uh, you know, letdowns, bounce backs. Uh, what do you think, Dan? Hard games to uh, handicap there. LSU. You know, I'm not sure what their motivation is to, to um, you know, smash a team. They just want to win. Um, on the other side, I really like Mississippi State. I know this is a, a huge letdown spot, but Arkansas blows. They're coming off a physical game against Georgia where they were close for a while and thought they had a chance. It'd be one thing if they just got housed the whole game, but they actually had some emotion in that game. Now they're on the road playing an air raid. 
I think it might be close for a minute, and Mississippi State pulls away big time. So I really like Mississippi State this week. Um, I don't like the other game at all. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I'm in total agreement with Dan. I'm completely staying away from the LSU game, um, which is crazy because if you told me I could get LSU at under three scores against Vanderbilt, and normally I would be like jumping all over that. But uh, total stay away. Uh, and like Dan said, Mississippi State, I love them in this spot. Um, you know, like he said, he, Arkansas had to prepare for Georgia, which you know with Georgia losing their quarterback, losing a bunch of guys, they're just going to be ground and pound and just physical and just bashing it up the middle. Now they got to get ready for Mike Leach, who's going to throw the ball 75 times. Like we talk about, you know, preparing for an option team. Like this is kind of the same thing. You're preparing for a team that's going to run the ball 65 times in Georgia to now having to play a team that's going to throw it 75 times in Mississippi state. That is really, really hard. And I think Mississippi state is going to blow the doors off of them old school Arkansas mm-hmm. suck style, like 63 to 23. I like yeah. it a lot. I agree with both you guys. Uh, I won't belabor the point cause I already talked about Mississippi state earlier in the program, but they're not, they're not a gimmick. Um, it's not really fair to call Washington state okay. a gimmick team either, but um, we've taken the kind of like air raid style that succeeded with somewhat lesser talent at Washington state. And you've put sec talent behind that. I think people better watch out for this team. They looked really legitimate against LSU. Um, and I think LSU's um, they're going to be really good. Like they're not going to be as good as last year, obviously, but we had said that they probably revert to the mean of like 2017, 2018. I think they're going to be above that. I actually think whether or not the record um, indicates it, I think they will be, you know, better than they had been the previous five years or so before the Joe Burrow experience. Um, so I'd avoid that game this week, but um, LSU watch for some performances um, in the future as Miles Brennan gets a little more experience under his belt. All right, we got a few more games and then we'll get to the two big SEC games. Um, let's just do these ones re- very quickly. We got Tulsa at UCF, UCF minus 21 and a half. They've been blowing teams out. Do we continue to roll with uh, UCF? Yes. Hell yeah. All right. Easy one. And then we got Oklahoma minus seven at Iowa State, a team where uh, they've traditionally struggled, of course, you know, with the new fan rules that takes away some of the home field advantage. But do we think Oklahoma bounces back or um, was there something you saw last week that indicates maybe that's not the same Oklahoma as every other year? I don't think they're the same Oklahoma team whatsoever. Spencer Rattler is a freshman, and he hasn't played a big road game. Iowa State's ranked. It's a weird place to play in the middle of nowhere. Iowa State won last week at TCU. I don't know how you can lay a touchdown with Oklahoma and be that confident. Uh, I don't think you um, also take Iowa State either. I think you just take Iowa State on the money line and uh, hope they beat them. All right. Uh, Virginia at number one, Clemson, Clemson laying uh, 28 points. Seems like a lot, but what do we think? Also uh, um, over under 54 and a half. I'll take this one, please. Uh, Clemson lay it last year. They played Virginia a couple times. Virginia 
had that quarterback from from Phoenix who was pretty good. He's not there anymore. Trevor Lawrence is still there. Travis Etienne is there. 66-7 final. I mean, I guess you could do a hook, but I even like the over, I think, a little bit better. Even if Virginia contributes, say, you know, 20 over. points of their own, I think you easily get to that over of 54 and a half. Clemson could get that right. on their own, as you said. They're going to kill them really All right. bad. All right. Uh, that brings us to our two big SEC games of the week. So here we go. Let's start with number 13, Texas A&M traveling to Bryant-Denny and number two, Alabama. Alabama opened at 17, now down to 16 and a half, over under 52 and a half. We didn't really see the true Alabama, I don't think, but a little bit of what we predicted um, last week where they sort of resorted to a lot of running with Najee Harris and more of the physical style of Alabama five to eight years ago. That seemed to come true. So, uh, Ryan, why don't you kick this one off? What do you expect to see from both these teams? Uh, I expect to see what we have come to expect in this scenario, which is Alabama does Alabama things. And Jimbo Fisher does Jimbo Fisher things. Seriously, I get it. It's it's two top 15 teams. But to call this a big game, it's kind of insulting to Nick Saban, Tom. I'm just telling you right I, now. I just go by the numbers, man. When was the last time Jimbo Fisher won a big game? Jameis Winston? 20, 2014 National Championship. Okay. Has he won any big game at AM? He's come very close. Has he won? Has he won any big? Guess what? Mark Rick came real close a lot too. And he still managed to choke away three point losses on the reg. Sorry, Jimbo. This isn't, this isn't freaking horseshoes. Close ain't going to cut it. And guess what? You ain't getting within 17 points of Nick Saban. I can promise you that. Bama roll tide lay it all day. So that I, I can't add to that. This is a high confidence pick on uh, covers.com with 71% of the public going with the crimson tide for obvious reasons. So yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, A&M struggled against Vandy. What else do you need to see? And and it was pretty obvious that Alabama was holding back a little Dan, you want, you got more to add? Yes. I would like to add a little something onto this. Um, there may only be 20,000 people in attendance for this game, but I can confirm that a few people in attendance are members of the Zach Mills Advisory Committee. And they're there to take a deep look at Kellen Mond on Saturday because not only did DeVito come to life and beat Georgia Tech, there was the aforementioned struggling with Vanderbilt. And it took Derek Mason getting a personal foul from the sideline to ice the game (laughs) for Vanderbilt. Um, That being said, I like A&M plus the 17. I don't know why. (laughs) Sounds weird. Wait, you're serious? uh, No, yeah. um, For some reason, A&M and Alabama, the line's always 17. And I feel like once every five years they cover – this is Jimbo's last stand at AM. He's got his senior quarterback. He's got the most returning starters in the country total on both sides of the ball. 
Alabama has a lot of turnover. Alabama just has to win the game. There's a chance it's 55 to 10, but I'm thinking it's going to be uh, a little closer than people think. But um, I probably won't put my money where my mouth is. But I will be watching you, Mr. Mon, and the ZMAC will too as well. All right, we got uh, That's right. We got six minutes left in our uh, Zoom meeting, and we got to go to uh, what is definitely uh, a bigger game, which is number seven Auburn at number four Georgia. Auburn came off a um, you know a good win, solid win. Georgia struggled in the first half um, with you know Stetson Barrett the fourth or whatever that guy's name is. It looks like they're going to have JT Daniels back for this week, although we're recording on Monday, so nothing is guaranteed. Obviously, that's something you want to look into before you make a wager on this. But uh, assuming um, JT does play, you've got a line of uh, Georgia minus seven, NFL over under a 45. Dan, you got to start this one because, you know, you love uh, the Auburn Tigers. I do. Tom, this is my favorite wager of the week. I really like Auburn plus the touchdown. Um, kind of a good rule of thumb when taking uh, an underdog under a touchdown is you have to kind of have an idea that they have a chance to win the game. I would put Auburn's chance of winning this game at about 55 60% outright, to be honest with you. I like their experience with Bo Nix. I like what he did last week against that Kentucky defense everyone raved about. Um, Auburn is super talented. I think Georgia's no good also. I think the last couple of years, they were absolutely loaded with talent. I think a lot of the players on that team are going to go on to the NFL and do great things, and you're going to see that they're really underachieved. And I know they may have um, pulled away in the second half against Arkansas, but we all saw the first half of that game last week. The score was like, eight to two or five to two or some bullshit. Uh, like late seven, seven to two and then seven to five. Okay. okay. Seven, five. If you're, if it's seven, five against Arkansas and it's not two minutes gone in the game, you fucked up. It's really that simple. So Georgia sucks. Auburn's beating them out. Right. If you are a man, you'll bet the money line. If you're feeling weak and want to kick back with a cocktail and collect your earnings, just take the touchdown. I don't think Auburn will be trailing by more than a touchdown the entire game. How about that? That's my pick of the week. Bold stance. All right, Ryan, you've been the big, big Georgia fan of the podcast the last few years. What do you have to say about that? They're Uh, good. Sorry. (laughs) Well, since they lost their proud boy at quarterback, I mean, Jake Fromm at quarterback, (laughs) uh, not really sure about the about what the situation is right now. Uh, you know, if JT Daniels plays, I think it's got a, a chance to uh, to be a really good game, a back and forth game. If he doesn't play, and it's definitely an Auburn pick for me. Uh, but either way, I kind of like the under here. Uh, Forty five is so low, but I still think that like twenty three seventeen Auburn sounds like a super realistic twenty three thirteen you know, something like that. So for me, I like the under a little bit in this game. All right. Uh, I'm with Dan on this one. I like Auburn. Yeah. They're uh, they're a team that did pretty well last year and seems to be riding the momentum into this season. Whereas Georgia seems to be moving in the opposite direction. Georgia, that Georgia 
Arkansas game was really, really ugly. I mean, I tuned out, so I didn't see the end when they put up some points, but, uh, you know, I don't think even if JT Daniels does play, you're still talking about a guy making his first start for Georgia. So against the seventh ranked team in the country, that's already had one decent win. So I put this game, like you said, I would give Auburn this slight edge, you know, 55, 45 to win it outright. And so if you're giving me seven points to me, that's a fairly good bet. And so uh, I'll take the Auburn plus seven all day. I'll have to, I'll have to, you know, do a gut check and see if I'm mad enough to uh, do the money line. Maybe I'll do that. You've inspired me. You better man up. All right. Uh, We'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with some closing thoughts. uh, And it's just a second. So I told you that uh, Huskies at UConn got shut down temporarily because of COVID violations, but now, um, is it Ted's? Is that the name of the place? Yeah, that's also been shut down for COVID violations. So UConn two for two on the bars that I know. What's next? Well, the owners of Huskies own Ted's, so those <laughs> two go hand in hand. The Civic Pub across the street is independent and has always been the preferred bar of my... See, all. I was a pub guy. Some people were going to Huskies and listen to club music. So Huskies, like, and, refresh my memory because I've only been to each okay, of these places go. like once. There's three bars. Three bars. There's four bars. There's four bars at UConn. You got Huskies if you want to listen to club music and Madonna will come on and it's all a bunch of white people. It's very laid back. Two, you go to Ted's. That's for guys who wear flannel shirts who aren't interested in hitting on women who want to just, you know, drink beer, order pizza and play golden tea. Three, you got the civic pub, which is a nice mix of, of all kinds of nonsense of happy hour, good food menu, nice crowd. Or you go to Husky blues, which is like the club club and you, you, you can get shot. So those were your options. Husky Blues was shut down my junior year because there was a shooting inside. Then they opened another club two miles down the road, got shut down my grad school year due to, yeah, shooting inside. So I like the Civic Pub for all those different reasons. You don't want to get too, too divey. But you know, uh, you'd hear like all kinds of music there too. Like you would hear like, you know, Little John from the window to the wall, because that just came out and like, you know, Nelly hot in here. But you'd also hear like Brian Adams, Summer of 69. And you would also hear like Around the World by Daft Punk. If you went to Huskies, you would just hear like Kylie Minogue, Can't Get You Out of My Head and like stuff like that. And DJ like Sammy. There you go. All that. Yes, exactly. Alice DJ. You, you got to have anyone with DJ in their name. If you went to Ted's, it was a jukebox. So it was usually like Almond Brothers eat a peach. Yeah. yeah or yeah. like, yeah, like all of Led Zeppelin 2 from track one on. Yeah, we had uh, at Marist College, we had McCoy's was the like Huskies-esque place with all the dance songs. I can still remember. Tell me what you guys think of this. 
I've been thinking about this recently, maybe because I've been listening to our Camp Biscuit mix of all old songs, but like, I think the music, popular music from when we were in college, you know, very early 2000s, at the time, I thought it was probably the worst music of all time. But as we get older and I hear those kind of songs, I, I, I have like a happy association, even though I know I hated them at the time. I'm like, oh, those are fun songs, fun times. Yes. I don't know why, how time does that to you, but it's like, you know, some juvenile song that you might have hated at the time. Now you're like, all right, back that thing up. That's a bad example because uh, that song ruled at the time, but you know what I'm talking it did. about. It rules now. No, yeah, there's um, – hold on. There was a good example that came in my head the, a couple of days ago. Mystical. There was a mystical song yes. I heard, and I was watch like – There was like Watch Yourself? Yeah, that was it. I'm like, I hated this shit so much when it came out, but I heard it like in a movie with like Martin Lawrence. I was watching on like USA, and I was like – this is incredible. I forgot <laughs> a plus. I didn't appreciate it at the time. Mad respect. My fault. This is classic material. So I'm going to, I'm going to save, I promised um, a camp biscuit, like a return to camp biscuit. I want to save it for a, a future episode when we have more time and I can, you know, do some, uh, you know, Ryan spill it ask like pre-work and write some shit down. Um, but yeah, there, there are some songs that I didn't even really like at the time, you know, Disturbed or whatever, where I'm like, that sucked. And now I hear it now. I'm like, oh, here comes the monkey noise. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of funny. So I, I don't know. How, I don't know how like time warps your mind to make you like things that you clearly didn't even like. Random. Uh, is there anything else? Is, uh, we can continue. Uh, oh, no, I've been here the whole time. Ryan, Ryan's here oh, okay. in the dark. You just can't see his face. All right. Oh, uh, here he is. Thanks no, I'm kidding. here. I've been here. I'm hiding in the dark. And because I have nothing to contribute because you guys, have, we all grew up in, in Syracuse and I went to college there too. So you guys know all the bars. I have nothing to contribute. You know that conversation. The Shire. I know the Shire. Are you spying on the cigarette smoking man or something up there? Because it's very dark. Are you taking masking tape and forming an X to your window and flashing the light because you need information? I may have a red light and I may have an X on the window. (laughs) The screen actually turned a shade of red when you said that. It did. Oh, I know. I have one of those, uh, one of those lamps that just constantly is changing colors so now it's blue and then it'll be red and all that but yes sometimes i like to put just the red on and put an x on the window and see if anyone actually shows up you aren't safe here ryan i can't tell you why get out at 11 32 they're gonna come in here and search your place see you never know so i'm playing it safe and i'm just putting the x in the window to let everyone know you know i want to believe Speaking of, um, uh, nostalgic TV show, I want to, um, I want to end with a uh, recommendation. I've been watching Cobra Kai, the Netflix series, which, uh, as you can, if you don't know, you can probably guess it is a TV show about the karate kid about, uh, you know, Johnny and, uh, Daniel set in yeah. the present day where they're both like 50 year old men. And it is, uh, like unironically awesome. I think it's really good. 
Like it's a really well done show. It's funny. Zabka is hilarious. He just plays like an old alcoholic who's bitter about like Danielson, you know, 30 years later. But what's, what's hilarious is, I mean, there's a lot hilarious, but like they treat everything like it's normal and it's very realistic, like how people would act in real life, except karate just has like a way outsized uh, experience in everyone's lives. Like no one gives a shit about karate in the real world, but they'll just be, it. there'll just be these high schoolers talking about high school things. And these old guys talking about their car dealership and they somehow work karate into like every conversation. And they, they really like play up the nostalgia. It's, but it's funny cause it's a teen show and it's mostly about teens with, you know, occasional, uh, you know, LaRusso and Johnny, but it's a teen show. That's like only written for 40 year old guys like us. So <laughs> I can't recommend it enough. If you like, uh, shows about, um, adults verbally and physically abusing kids, this is the show for you because Zabka just like smacks kids in the face in every single episode. He also <laughs> drinks and like drinks and drives. There's a lot of horrible <laughs> things that happen in the show and there are zero consequences. Good. Um, there's no like life lessons to be learned, you know, like a cheesier show would have done all these things and then made him out to be like the bad guy, but they actually make uh, Johnny like to seem kind of cool. Um, Anyway, I don't know if I'm selling it well, but I strongly recommend Cobra Kai for anyone who likes, uh, you know, our type of humor. And it actually like, if you like varsity blues, it's like the same type of humor. It's just like an asshole saying shit. That's hilarious. You know, uh, I've heard really good things about that show and I've been meaning to take you get into it. And, and the problem is it changed. It's been on like different services and like platforms. So I, I, I do want to watch that and I, I've heard really, really good things about it. It's on Netflix now and I definitely recommend it. You know, uh, yeah, Varsity Blues would be like the best comparison I can give. Similar style. You've got the old guy who's a huge asshole, but also like really funny and everybody likes him. And then you just got a bunch of like teens doing like funny teen stuff. So it's very good. You know, if you want to laugh in these uh, challenging pandemic times, I recommend it. Z, real quick, I watched a great movie the other night. It's called PCU, and we've all seen it many times. I am familiar. How long do you think this movie is? Not only according to my DVD player, but also to Wikipedia. What is the running time of PCU? I, well, I have no idea, but based on your question and the fact that, you know, I know that every movie is like three hours now. And I remember every movie was like an hour 45 back in the day. I'm, I'm saying it's got to certainly be under two hours. Let's say I'll say an hour 40. 79 minutes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'll say this is no my, more. my number one, like I'm clearly an old man uh, opinion, but like, Movies are way too long. And way also every, long every song on the radio now sounds the same. Those are my two big, like old man. Also opinions. True. Movies are way too long. And I think I figured it out. The, we all love these obscure nineties movies because they're all 85 minutes long. And we remember all the scenes because there's no fluff. Like it's just compact to the point. No filler. Like I can't tell you what happened in inception. I've seen it three times. 
but it's three hours long. I can't tell you what's going on. I can write down the PCU script if you gave me a piece of paper. You know what I mean? That's um, true. We know like every, I mean, maybe it's a product of our, of our age as well and yeah. watching it over and over, but you can name almost all the Adam line. Sandler movies are all like 93 minutes long. Ace Ventura is like 89 minutes long. All the movies in the nineties that were an hour and a half. I think our brain absorbs all that. Dan, what, what, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't follow so movies that closely yeah. these days, but like, what are say two or three of the top Oscar contenders from, you know, this year, or la- you know, the last two or three years, what, like what uh, won the I mean, Oscar should, last year? Ask Ryan. He's probably better at me than that to me. I have no idea. I don't see any of the, the Academy films. I just watched PCU on DVD. Right, it yeah. came with airheads too, by the way. All right. Here, here's my, here's my point. It's probably a better point if we don't know what the movie is and then we can look it up. I think whatever won the Oscar for best picture last year is not as good as can't hardly wait a me, a <laughs> mid level nineties comedy. That's my 91 minutes long. That's my prediction. Uh, the, the Oscar last year, didn't that go to uh, the Guillermo, the Guillermo del Toro movie uh, about the guy who fucks the fish. Oh, I actually <laughs> saw that movie and I am a hundred percent correct. That movie is surprisingly mediocre, mediocre. It's fine. It is no, can't hardly wait. <laughs> The beer has yeah. gone bad. Yeah, I think there was what? There was two contenders. It was the guy who bangs the fish person. And then uh, what was the other one that was the uh, the Oscar movie? Oh, it was the, the Daniel Day-Lewis sewing dresses. I have not seen that one. But again, the guy from Can't Hardly Wait singing Paradise City is better than any scene in that movie. I guarantee it. I a hundred percent forgot about all of that until you just quoted the movie, Tom, and brought that back. I'm going to need to watch can't hardly wait in the next three weeks. I got to locate it. Did I, did I watch can't hardly wait recently? And I know all the lines. No, I did not. Dan, I haven't seen that movie in 20 years. (laughs) This is the new bar for all movies. Is it better than can't hardly wait? If, if not, I'm out. This could be a future segment for Take the Points where we go back and we have homework, where we go back and rewatch a 90s movie and then talk about it for 10 minutes on air at the end. Like, so how many of these lines are not allowed to be said anymore? Or like, you know, like in PCU, when the guy who's in charge of the computer lab is smoking a cigarette in the computer lab and flicks his cigarette butt at somebody in the computer lab, like that doesn't happen anymore on campus. So, so I'll, I'll bring it full circle and then we'll end. If that's the kind of stuff you're missing in pop culture, Cobra Kai is the show for you. There's, I'm okay. pretty sure he flicks cigarettes at people. There's tons of Underrated. stuff where I hear it and I'm like, I don't know. They really went for it. Like, I don't know how they thought they'd get away with that, but you know, when, okay. you, when you just go for it and when you, you know, when you make the guy saying it like an alcoholic loser, it's okay then, you know? Helps, you yeah. just have to make the character seem like a bad guy and then he can say any inappropriate thing and it's fine because it's, you know, you're warning against that. But anyway, yeah. Cobra Kai. All right. Can't hardly wait. Can't hardly wait. Varsity blues. Well, All right. I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. Uh, we've gone on, gone on long enough. Enjoy the games. This is a really good week as we were going through the lines this week. I thought to myself like this is even better than uh, I thought. So there's a lot of stuff to enjoy. Goodbye, America. We'll see you next week.
Sacrifice.